And good morning to everybody, and uh, welcome to uh, part three of this series that we've called Home Improvements. Um, but more than anything, this is a series, as I mentioned before, about relationships. And so um, no matter what your home situation is like, there's going to be application from this series when it comes to uh, relationships at school, at work, um, at church even, in the neighborhood. Um, God has direction for us to how to improve our relationships with the people around us. And last week, uh, Pastor Matt did a great job of uh, reminding us that uh, our words have power, that the words we use or the words we don't use can totally affect the atmosphere of a room. And he taught us through a section of scripture that said this, that even though a a ship might be really, really big, um, even a very small rudder, he said, um, can move it. And he tried to indicate that the Greek indicates that we have to say very small rudder just like that. Um, That's not true. That's why you have me as the lead pastor to Greek. (laughs) Greek does not say that. But the comparison is apt, that just like that rudder affects the whole ship. So a small part of the body, the mouth or the tongue, has great power. And he had us consider this question that's been rolling around in my heart all week as, you know, you think about the bigger picture is, if everything that I said or wrote was written down and put into a book, whether that be for a week, a month, a year, for my whole life, what kind of story would it tell? That's a good question, isn't it? If people read everything we said, what would the story look like? Would it be positive? Would it be negative? What subject would come up most often? Would it be the Lord? Would it be work? What, what would it be? Would it, would it be an encouraging novel? Would it be discouraging? Would, it be, would people want to read it at all? It's a really good question to consider as we think about the words that we share and the way that we communicate with the people that we have relationships with. This week, we're going to talk about something that is in every single home. It's in every single school, every single place of work, um, every neighborhood. In fact, it's, if you're new to Bethlehem, cover your ears just for a moment. It's even found here at Bethlehem. Wherever there are relationships of any kind, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be disagreements, and there's even going to be, at times, fights. There's going to be disagreement. Um, and, and I think there was a part of me that thought that that would never happen in my marriage relationship. I remember uh, when we were dating about a year and a half in or so, we like, could honestly tell people that we had never had a real fight before. And, and, you know, again, I thought, like, maybe, maybe I'm just different. I'm like that one guy, that one husband someday, maybe, that just, they're just, fights will not be a part of the relationship. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to tell you that, that, you know, that did not happen. And uh, our relationship is like every other one. And, and I remember that uh, different, different discouragements, different fights coming up over the years. I remember the first vacation that we ever went on together. And uh, it was a, to a different part of the country, and, and I had had in my mind the itinerary of what we were going to do. 
And um, we were going to, you know, experience the, the scene. We were going to check out the local spots. I mean, every day, something to do. Go, go, go. The problem is, is I never shared the itinerary with Carrie. And uh, her idea of vacation, I've come to find out, is very different. It's like sitting down and enjoying things and just relaxing. And, and I'm like, seize the day. Let's go. And uh, by the way, for just the guys, do you think we went, you know, go, 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 or do you think we chilled? What do you think we did? Yeah, that's right. You're married still too, aren't you? You know, you know what to do. Yeah, we, we definitely chilled. But the thing is, sometimes conflict happens because we're just different with the people that we're in relationship with, whether it's marriage or other things. And there's different um, gifts and different tendencies. And some of the times that's not even a sinful thing. It's just, it's just differences. And, and then there's other times where you have a conflict with someone and, and it's a different story at all. It's not just that you're different. It's that one or the other is being selfish or one or the other has this anger that they're not able to control. And those are the types of, of conflicts that we're going to talk about today. Those ones where it's not just that we're different, but that there's something going on in the relationship that needs to be addressed. Our first fill-in for today is this. The goal today is not to eliminate conflict, <laughs> because that's impossible. We'll never be able to have a relationship where there is no conflict whatsoever at all for the two reasons I mentioned. We're different and we're both sinful. That's impossible, but it is good. It's a good thing. And the goal today is to have a plan to get through the conflict in a way that's healthy and helpful. Because a lot of times when conflict comes up, when difficulties come up, people deal with it in ways that aren't helpful or aren't healthy. And some of that has to do with our tendencies. As I thought about people and their reaction to conflict or difficult situations, I, um, I thought about three categories that I'm guessing most of us would fall into. <laughs> the first way that people naturally react to conflict is that we have avoiders. People that want to do whatever they can to distance themselves from any sort of conflict or discussion that there might be, you know, difficulty in the discussion. And so when you ask them how they're doing, they say, I'm fine. And sometimes it's like, I'm fine, you know. But you know they're not fine. They're just stuffing it. They're, they're avoiders. Um, other people react to conflict and we have arguers. So these are people that love conflict because it's like a game. And uh, their goal is to win the game. And sometimes they might even have flip charts and PowerPoint presentations to show you why, Stacy, you're, uh, okay, you have flip charts, spreadsheets too. Okay, yeah. And, and the, the goal is to win the argument. I, I probably am more arguer than avoider. Like, I like to win, and unfortunately, that's not good with conflict. It's not, the goal is not to win. But some of us fall into that category. And the last one that I thought of are historians. And now this sounds very regal. Some of you know what a historian is. And a historian is when you've come to talk about, you know, something that just happened, and behind them, they're pulling all the history of your relationship with them. And, you know, this thing that happened three years ago and five years ago, and you always and you never, and they bring everything along so you forget kind of what you're arguing about because you're arguing about the vacation that you had at the beginning of your relationship. <laughs> you probably see yourself in at least one of these. And just to make sure that you're listening, 
I want you to, talk, to mention to the person next to you really quickly which of the three you most identify with. They probably already know, but go ahead. Which of the three do you identify with the most? This would be good with parents and kids, too. So because this is true, because we naturally tend to go in one of these three ways, it's good for us to talk about God's plan for how to address conflict because it doesn't come naturally. Today I'm going to give you a little bit of a fight plan. And there's, there's going to be three go messages that we really want to think about when it comes to having conflict with someone, especially a conflict situation where there's this sin between us and anger has arisen. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some words of Jesus um, in what would be his most famous recorded sermon. Uh, Many of us know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And and Jesus' reason for coming to earth, quite simply, was to save us from sin, to give us hope for eternity. And yet, while he was here, he also spent time directing us on how to live until we get there. The Sermon on the Mount was not a sermon about how to be saved. You can read it all. It's Matthew 5 to 7. It's not about how to be saved. It's all about how do we live until we get to heaven, until we get to be with Jesus forever. And in there, he gives us some direction about conflict. It starts this way, chapter 5, verse 21. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And so not only was this said a long time ago to the people, even back then, but it's something that I don't think probably any of us have an issue with. This is kind of something that everybody just tends to agree with, that murder is wrong. But now Jesus kind of amps things up a little bit in verse 22. But I tell you today that anyone who is even angry with a brother or sister Not a righteous anger that that comes with discipline, like a parent might be angry with their child in a rightful way, but an unrighteous, sinful anger will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, now don't get any ideas, young people, of of a new word to call your brother or sister. This word is a a word that would have at the root meant empty. It's kind of like in our like, moron or stupid. If anyone calls their brother or sister Raka, they are, in fact, answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in the danger of the fire of hell. (laughs) Now, Jesus, aren't you kind of overstating this a little bit? Here's Jesus' main point, that anger is dangerous, and when words are shared, when action in connection to the anger that is in our hearts, God does not approve of it. And in fact, in some ways, in God's eyes, it's just like murder. Each one wants something bad for the person that you're angry with. Verse 23, therefore, he gives some direction. So what are you to do with that anger? If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, conflict with someone, verse 24, leave your gift right there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So you notice Jesus used the example of a person going to church. 
And there was a reason for that. There's a reason why Jesus didn't say, you know, if you're at Teresa's and you're about to eat your taco, leave the taco down and go make things better. There's a reason he wanted people to be thinking about the church. When we have a problem with the people around us that is due to sinful anger or hatred or the inability to forgive, that relationship problem tends to also then be an issue with our relationship with God. That relationships that are bad this way almost always affect our relationship this way. So God says, before you come to me in a way that identifies a good relationship, you need to first go and make things right with the people around you. Verse 25, settle matters quickly. Settle them quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Verse 26. Truly I tell you, you'll not get out until you've paid the last penny. So, if you don't fix your stuff, you're going to jail. Not Jesus' main point. His main point is this. When we don't quickly identify and work on the relationship problems, the conflict we have with people around us, things get worse, and they never get better. Some of us have felt that if we just do nothing about the conflict, it'll get better. I'm here to tell you that doesn't work. If you had a leak under your sink and you saw it and decided, hey, Um, If I just wait a little while, maybe it'll go away. (laughs) You know that doesn't work. If you need to fix some things with your health and you say, okay, I'll just wait a little while to, you know, exercise more or whatever it might be, you you know that your your health is fixed. Things don't get better 95% of the time if we do nothing. The emotion might go down. We might not have to see them as much as we used to, especially if you don't live with them. (laughs) But things at the core do not get better. They only get worse when we don't go. And that's our first fill-in for today, that Jesus' fight plan is that we need to do something. We need to go. And in fact, we need to go quickly. And by quickly, it may not mean that night (laughs) because sometimes the emotions do need to simmer a little bit. But quickly means as soon as I'm possibly able. We need to go, and we need to talk about this circumstance and this situation with the person that we're in conflict with. And what's the goal? What's the goal of going? Well, sometimes what our internal goal is is that we hear what we're hoping we hear from that person or that they do something to help um, me feel better about the relationship. Oftentimes, we go wanting something. Jesus was very clear about the specific goal that we should have when we go. Let's go back to verse 24. Go and be reconciled. Go and be reconciled. This this word reconcile is 100% a relationship word. It's a word that's all about two people being able to get along even if they haven't ironed out every little detail of what was between them. Because it doesn't have to all be ironed out, but instead, in 
Agape love, a love that will put the other person ahead of yourself, that the main idea behind it is just to, to go with the relationship in mind that we are able to maybe not have the same relationship that we had before, depending on the circumstances, but that we're able to be in the same room and that we're able to treat each other with the love that Jesus wants us to, to show and to share. Now, there are circumstances where the best thing for your relationship with them is to, first of all, share some difficult relationship with God. That in times, God has actually directed us to, in love for that person, to actually cause a little bit of conflict. <laughs> That's counterintuitive. That there's times where it's okay for a person to be upset with you if you're sharing truth with them that they need to hear. It's not easy. Some of us shy away from it, but it's important. But even in those cases, <laughs> this is still so not in a way that tends to give the impression that we got our act together and they don't, that we know all that they should do and we don't have any issues, but we go with reconciliation in mind, with the relationship with, with their God in mind. So here's our, our next fill-in. Go purposefully. And the purpose being not to hear what you want to hear, not to get paid back, First and foremost, to restore the relationship, however that might be. And there are different circumstances and different situations. And I've got three quick fill-ins depending on the person you're thinking about and maybe the circumstance surrounding it. So in a situation where there's conflict and you're the one in the wrong, when you've wronged them, go, pursue, and repent, Whatever it is you need. Maybe it's not even the core of the issue. Maybe it's just the way you responded to it. And here's, here's something to remember. <laughs> Don't ever qualify repentance. Here's how we do that. I'm sorry that I did that, but, but I was having a bad day. Now, we've qualified our repentance. Just, just say I'm sorry. Just repent. No buts. No buts about it, right? Or how about when you've been wronged? When you go, don't wait for them, go and tell them you forgive them. We're going to talk more about forgiveness next week. But understand, forgiveness, it actually does more for you to unhitch the wagon of baggage than it does for them. And then probably the situation that happens the most, when you're not sure... <laughs> Repent and forgive. I, I think most situations are this way, that we have something to repent about, like I, I could have handled that better, I'm sorry. And also probably something to forgive where they didn't treat you the way that God would want. But in each of these cases, do you see how when we focus on repentance and forgiveness, that we'll be able to keep our hearts and minds focused on the relationship more than anything else. And that's healed. He wants the relationship with other people, especially those who are really close to you. He wants it healed because he puts people together in relationships. He's given you your family. He's given you that cousin three times removed or that uncle or whoever it is. He wants you to be in relationship. And that doesn't mean you have to be their BFF and do things on the weekend all the time, but it does mean 
that you treat each other with love. And that's only going to happen if we go, if we give her it is that's keeping us away from each other. Now, I know that this is a lot easier to put on a board than it is to actually do. And I know that some of you are struggling with this in your life. And as I share conflict, you're thinking about a very specific person. I know that it's easier in hypotheticals. I know that some of you are thinking, well, um, <laughs> that's all fine and good, but why do I need to go? It's my fault. I'm not the one that's wrong. This Christian thing, jeez, what, what, what's this all? Why do I have to go? It's not my fault. And so I want to I wanna help you with that by talking about pursuing of things. So, when you pursue something, you pursue it because it's really important to you. I'll give you an example. When uh, I was an intern, a pastoral intern, I uh, interned in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and it was right across the street from uh, Lambeau Field. Now, you can go ahead and boo right now. I'll just tell you, I didn't even pick it. They just sent me there. So whether I liked it or not, that's just where I went. At the time... Brett Favre was their best player and, you know, popular nationally. And so um, my goal that year, most this very spiritual goal for my internship, was to get Brett Favre's autograph before I left, <laughs> okay? And so um, I pursued him during the year. Um, as I explained this at the first service, it sounded more like stalking, but it was really a kind pursuit where I, I eventually got to know what truck he drove because I'm driving by... that. I drive by the field. It's not like, a, okay, I knew what, it was a brown Ford, S, whatever, big one, okay? And, and so I knew what truck he drove. I kind of uh, drove, I kind of knew um, when he practiced and all that kind of stuff. And so by the end of the year, by kind of keeping a little bit of tabs on this pursuit of something that was important to me to get his autograph, I'm, I'm happy to say that I was able to get his autograph and uh, my pursuing paid off because I pursued something that, in a small way, was important to me. Let me talk to you about something a lot more important than that. I've been asking you to, because God has said relationships figured out is important. Can I tell you that he hasn't asked you to do anything that he hasn't already done? That, that God, in his amazing love, has pursued each one of you. Why? Because you're important to him. I think of the first two people in world history. Their names are Adam and Eve. And when they sinned, God could have just them sort of in their sin and he could have, you know, there's this conflict now. He could have just shunned them and, and not have gone. But what did he do? Did he wait for them to come to him? He went. He went right to that garden and even before he shared judgment and punishment, which they deserved, he first shared with them hope. And the promise of a Savior who would come to get rid of the conflict between them and him. Throughout the whole Old Testament, you know what you see more than anything with God? You see a God who pursues those who put a wrench in their relationship with him. And they wander, he pursues. They wander, he pursues again. And he says, I'm still sending a Savior. And then Jesus comes to this earth, and you know what he does? He pursues us, even the worst of us. 
he did what he promised. Way back in the Garden of Eden when it was promised, he died so that we don't have to. Do you know what God did with his righteous anger? He didn't use it as ammunition. He buried it with Christ in the grave. And now that God has done that for us, buried his anger, and pursued relationship, what God is... I want you now to pursue relationship with the important people around you. I want you to pursue reconciliation with those that it's been hard with. I want you to go towards the conflict and to resolve it versus versus allowing it. I hope and pray that these three goes, this is the last one, to go humbly, last fill-in, go humbly, knowing that even if we'd like to think that we've got our act together, that we have, we have hurt our relationship with God way more and way many more times than anyone has ever hurt us. So we go, go humbly with a, a heart of, I'm not any better than you. I just, I just want this relationship better. And I'm going to love you the way Christ has loved me. As we close, um, here's what I know. <laughs> the temptation's going to be to nod your head at this and not to do it. Because it's hard. This is a really hard teaching. And I hope I taught it in a way that you can best understand. But I'm telling you, it's hard. It's hard to do. Here's my prayer for you. My prayer is that you so realize the love of your Savior for you and his desire for you to have a better relationship with the people around you that in response you would go and you would pursue. And here's the side benefit. Do you know that when a relationship has gone through conflict and has gotten through it, that oftentimes that relation deeper and better than it would have ever been without the conflict. And so even in conflict, even in disagreements, even in fights, we are able to receive such blessing through it. And so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that when we had conflict with you because of our sin, that you did not just uh, leave us, but instead you pursued us. We thank you through Jesus and that that reconciliation of our relationship. And now, Lord, we ask you to help each one of us in the different conflicts that we might have with others to pursue reconciliation, whether that be in our home, extended family, work, school, wherever it is, that we might share your love just the way that you have showed love to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. We also, before we pray the Lord's Prayer, we thank you for the the marriage of Joel and Lindsay Ulrich, who were married last week. We thank you that you are the foundation on which they um, have built uh, their their married life and ask you to continue to be with them all their days. May may you be there during the good days and the hard days as uh, they, uh, again, make you their foundation. We pray all this in Jesus' name and pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.